morning. My name is Marianne Ryan, and I'm a covenant partner here, and I'm happy to be here with you worshiping as we continue our series, Ruin to Restoration. Today, we're looking at Isaiah 55, where we see God's compassion for his people demonstrated through the renewal of his covenant and an invitation for them to come to him and delight in him. Let us turn our eyes on God's word as we see God's invitation for us to come to experience the living God and enjoy his steadfast love and compassion on us. Um, Please turn to Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 11 in your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen here. Hear the word of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now please join me in the response printed on the screens. All flesh, all flesh is grass, and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Thank you, Marianne. Good morning, friends. Good to see you all here. My name is Becky Pritchard. For those who do not know me, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're glad you're here worshiping with us on this spring break Sunday. If you're new with us, again, we're glad you're here. We do have a gift for you, especially if you're visiting from out of town. You're just here to explore the Riverwalk. We're glad you found us. We hope that you enjoy worship here um, and can take something with you as you go. Um, But we are just grateful to worship together and what the Lord has placed. It's amazing what God does. You know, as I'm preparing my sermon this week, I had no idea that we'd be singing a song that illustrates this message so perfectly. And the song that we sang right before um, Marianne came up here was just spot on. God knows all the time. So before we begin, let us take a moment to pray together. Let us pray. God, our Father, we come to you today. We worship your holy name. We thank you for your love and your grace. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, so I want you to raise your hand if you've ever felt thirsty before. Anybody? 
Oh, everybody. Oh, that's a silly question, I think, right? Because we know that a human need that we all have is thirst. We have all, we can all relate to that feeling, right? When you're working out in the dead heat of summer, it's 115 degrees outside, and you've been running, and you just need water, and you just, you need it. You're thirsty, right? Or when you get up to speak in front of a crowd of people, and all of a sudden, you can't quite feel any saliva in your mouth and you feel like you've got cotton in your mouth. Anybody? No? Um, And you just, maybe me talking about it right now, you're like reaching for your water bottle thinking, I need something to drink. This is a common feeling for us as human beings. I am one of those people that gets a little panicky when I do not have my water with me. Like, for instance, if I'm going through the um, security line at the, at the airport, right, and they, like, make you either chug it or, or dump it, your water, and you get through and, you're, and I'm immediately like, where am I going to refill my water? I need to get water right now. I'll spend $17 on a bottle of water at the airport because I need water that bad. Anyone else feel that way? Hate being thirsty, right? So we recognize that this is a basic human need, water. We all need water. Even if you absolutely hate water and you're like, I don't drink water, you still do somehow get water into your body because otherwise you would not survive. So some way or form or matter, we get water and we must drink it to survive. Well, our scripture passage today in Isaiah addresses this thirst, this thirst that we all experience. Verse 1 begins with an open invitation To anyone who might be thirsty, everyone who thirsts are invited to come. This invitation is so explicit that the Lord uses the word come four times in one verse. I think we sang the word come maybe like 17 or 18 times in that song. In this verse, four times, repeated. Anytime a word is repeated that often in scripture, we must take note, we must look closely. What is being emphasized here? What is important here? Why is this word said over and over again? We see that the Lord is inviting everyone. The word everyone is used. Everyone who is thirsty to come to the waters. When is the last time you invited somebody to your house for dinner or to a birthday party? And on the invitation you wrote, come, 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 come. Anyone? No? You haven't used that word four different times in invitation? I mean, if you did, I think people would really know that you want them there. Come, 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 come. With the repetition of this word, we see that this invitation has urgency to it. Not just come whenever. Come if you want. No, come, 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 everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. This invitation is open to all. Anyone who has ever felt thirsty or hungry is invited. And as we proved a few minutes ago, we have all felt that need. Guess what? You're all invited. You're thirsty. Come. And in this context, Isaiah, the Lord is inviting all of his people, the people of Israel, to come, not just the people who have money or social standing, but to any person who is hungry and thirsty. Now remember, as we've been talking about through this series, the people of God had turned away from God. They were in ruin. They were desolate. They literally had disobeyed and gone into exile. They had nothing left to lose. They had no money. They had nothing to spend, and yet God is inviting them for free to come. They wouldn't have anything to offer God, and he knows that. 
and yet he invites them anyway. Not only them, but also people who have money, not to exclude others. Verse 2 asks the question, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? The people who still have something to their name, the people who still might have some energy left to spend, are spending their money looking for satisfaction. These are the people who are looking for fulfillment in the things around them, maybe in the wrong things. Maybe they're looking for that satisfaction in success or importance in their work. doesn't quite quench the thirst. Or maybe it's through alcohol or drugs, the substance used to numb the pain because we can't find relief because we're so thirsty. Or maybe it's just trying to be the perfect Christian, being kind, doing the right thing, following the rules, being an Enneagram One. That's me, perfectionist. I did it all right, God, but it's not satisfying. I'm still thirsty because I have not encountered the living God. They're buying what looks good around them, what looks good to the world, what the world is selling them for a high price, but it's not satisfying. It is not the bread that gives life. Even these people are invited to come. Which group do you fall in? Are you totally broke? Are you empty? Do you have nothing to give? Are you at the end of your rope and you say, Lord, I have absolutely nothing to offer you? come? Or do you have some money to spend? You have some effort to give. You're spending it on the wrong things, chasing, searching, looking for something to satisfy your thirst to no avail. There's nothing worse than when you're so thirsty on a hot day and all that you can find is like flat hot soda or something, right? Like, oh, that is not going to help you feel less thirsty. Or like those movies like Unbroken or Castaway or um, Open Water where you see people stranded literally in the middle of gallons and gallons of water and yet not a drop to drink. They're surrounded by seawater full of salt. It's not going to satisfy their thirst. In fact, it's going to dehydrate them more and they have nothing to drink. That's like the, one of those stressful movies where you're like, oh, just get some water or something. It's not good for them to drink the salt water. Is this you? Are you trying to pay your way or work your way to satisfaction? Are you so broke that you have nothing to give? Where do you fall today? Either way, God is inviting you. Either way, God is saying, come. Come, you who have no money, come for free. Free. Don't spend your money elsewhere. It's a waste. Nothing else will satisfy you. Come for free and delight in this rich food so that your soul may live. Our God is an inviting God. Not only is he asking us to come to him with an invitation, two senses of the word inviting. He is inviting us, but also what he's offering is inviting. We want that. That looks good. It's not a letdown when we get there. 
He wants us there, and what he's offering makes us want to go. I love to talk about invitations. Who doesn't like to be invited to a party, right? Even if you're not able to go, or you can't go, or you don't want to go, it's still nice to be invited, isn't it? You feel sort of like, oh, they thought of me. They wanted me there. They wanted me to celebrate with them. Our presence matters. And if we're the ones having the party, when we send out invitations, we do hope that people say yes. We don't just invite for no reason, right? It would be sad if nobody came to our party. We invite because we want people to come. We enjoy them. We enjoy spending time with them. God is inviting his people to come because he cares about his people. He loves them. He has compassion so much on them that he wants them to delight in this free food and drink. He loves them so much that he wants their souls to live. In fact, God knows our every need, and he invites us to come to satisfy those needs. See what he offers here. Look in this passage. He's offering water, water for life. We need water to survive. He offers milk. We need water to survive, but we need milk to grow. This is never so apparent to me than with my five-month-old. I had a baby back in September, and he literally only drinks milk. And yet he grows every single day. He's humongous. He's almost 20 pounds. This kid, the milk, right? We need milk to grow. God is also offering wine. Wine represents that we must enjoy and celebrate, delighting in the Lord. He's offering rich food that is good. Not the leftovers, not the junk food, not that nasty, stinky stuff left in the back part of your fridge in an old Tupperware. Just throw the Tupperware away. Don't try to save it. But the good and rich food, the food that satisfies. It's not only satisfying, but it's good. It's good. God knows what we need, and he's inviting us to come. These imperatives in these first five verses, come, buy, eat, listen, delight. God is making it very clear and very simple for us. And here is why we come. Look in verse 3. That your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Friends, this is the promise of salvation. New life, soul fuel for the journey. This is the invitation. Again, remember, the people of God are in ruin. They're at the end of their rope. They are dead as people, but God reminds them of his covenant. Last week I talked a lot about covenant. Covenant with Abraham, Noah, David, and others. He's offering them restoration. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I promise you hope. Everlasting water for their very, very thirsty souls. Here we are in the season of Lent. As I talked about last week in the traditional services, Lent is a time where we reflect on our sinful humanity. We recognize our need for God, our need for a Savior. Lent is a time of thirst. In fact, many people choose to give up something during Lent so that every time they crave that thing or they want that thing, instead of getting it, chocolate, whatever it might be, they pray to the Lord and they cling to their need for God. Every time they're thirsty, they'll remember that God is the only one who can truly quench that thirst. When I was in eighth or ninth grade, I can't remember what specifically, I decided to give up Dr. Pepper for Lent. And now it's funny because I didn't really know what it all meant, but I knew people gave stuff up, so why not? 
I'll go for it. We'll try this out. Gave up Dr. Pepper. What's funny about it, my mom's sitting right here. She didn't really buy a lot of sodas, so it wasn't really like a temptation regularly. But I still thought it would be a good thing to give up because I did like Dr. Pepper quite a bit. But we didn't have them around the house, so it wasn't like a daily issue for me. However, because I'd given it up, I never wanted it more, right? The moment that you can't have it, you're like, oh, I just could die for a Dr. Pepper right now. And I really, really wanted a Dr. Pepper. I just really wanted one. And I'll never forget on Easter Sunday, we came home for lunch, and I cracked open an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, and I think chugged it down, and it was like, Lord have mercy, this is the best thing I've ever had in my entire life, right? Who loves Dr. Pepper? I don't even drink Dr. Pepper anymore, but I can remember the taste and the bubbles and the cold. It's just so, so good. It was incredibly satisfying after 40 days without it, Right? I think that by Lent the following year, I understood that my need for Jesus was a little bit higher than my need for Dr. Pepper. But that's what we do in Lent. We realize our need for satisfaction, for soul satisfaction, for that quenching thirst that that will quench our thirst, that water that will quench our thirst. It's only when we're truly thirsty that we recognize how much we need water. I really need some water. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's only when we're truly broken, when we are at the end of ourselves, that we recognize our need for salvation and we understand the gravity of this invitation. When we understand that without salvation, we will die from thirst. We will die from thirst. And that's when we finally come to him for the water that quenches So how do we accept this invitation? Here's the deal. In order to accept this invitation, look at verse 6. The Lord says, to seek the Lord while he may be found. Don't wait. There's a bit of urgency here. Implying that the Lord might only be found for a short time. He'll only be near for a little while longer. So don't delay. Seek the Lord. And in your seeking of the Lord, you must repent of your wicked ways. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. When we come, when we're thirsty and we're hungry, we have to admit our sinfulness. We have to admit where we've gone astray. We have to admit that we can't quench our own thirst. We have to admit that everything that we've sought in this world to satisfy hasn't worked. We confess that to God. And like the verse says, we return to the Lord. True repentance is turning from sin and turning towards Christ. True repentance, we return to the Lord. And then guess what happens? Compassion. He will have compassion on us. He will abundantly pardon us. That is the water that quenches our souls. This is an invitation to water that will renew our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It will renew our souls and it will save us from ourselves, from that hot, flat soda water that's not good. So this all sounds really great, right? Why would anybody turn down this invitation? Well, think about it. Maybe they think they're not, I'm not so thirsty after all. Maybe I don't need water. Or maybe 
I don't want to come to the table because I don't know who I'm going to be sitting next to and I don't really want to eat with just anyone. Or maybe they want to control the menu. Maybe, hey, I'd rather have like, you know, Perrier or like LaCroix water. I don't really want this kind of water. I want my own kind of water. Or they don't want to freely receive something. They'd rather be somewhere else. They're distracted by other things in their lives. It seems crazy to turn down an invitation like this when we're thirsty, right? Why would we turn this down? Why would we turn away? Because we're caught in our brokenness. We're caught in our sin, and we think we know better than God. It seems so simple on the page, but in our lives it's so complex because we battle sin in our hearts and in our minds. We don't enjoy this free gift as we should. But in verse 8, God reminds us that his ways are greater than ours and that his thoughts are higher than ours. This invitation for salvation probably seemed outrageous to the Israelites at the time who were desolate and exiled. Buying wine, milk, and good rich food for free? Impossible. That can't happen. We've already messed up enough. He's not really going to offer this. He's going to pull the carpet back from under us. It might seem outrageous to us. Why all of this for free? I'll never be thirsty again. What's the catch? God reminds us that we can't fathom what God can fathom. My thoughts are not your thoughts, he says. Neither are your ways my ways, for the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is faithful to his own plans and purposes. God is faithful even when we don't understand it doesn't mean that God's word isn't true. We as humans have the inability to imagine this divine salvation because of our limited minds, because all we can see is pain sometimes. How can we imagine freedom when we're stuck in the darkness? We have trouble imagining this free gift because in our world there's a price for everything. You better pay up. How can it be free? We have an inability to imagine this overwhelming compassion and steadfast love because in our human relationships, people always leave. We always end up hurt. How can a God love us so much when we keep messing up? How does he keep inviting us back? We can't imagine delighting in God's good gifts because we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. What is going to happen next? Colby and I are in a season of life right now where we're always waiting for the next thing to happen. With two young kids, we feel like we can never fully relax. We're always sort of like waiting for the next thing. When's the next kid going to pop a fever? When's the three-year-old going to break her arm? When's the hot water heater going to break? When's the, leak gonna, the roof going to leak? What's the next bottle I got to wash? When was the next load of laundry? We're always waiting for the next thing. And finally, when things seem under control, we take a breath and we're like, but don't relax too much because you got to be ready, right? That is not the invitation that God is giving us here where we have to be on guard and waiting for what might happen next. No, this invitation truly is free with no expectations or strings attached it's free and it is good, and just because we can't imagine it doesn't mean it's not real. As one commentator put it, the events of history are set in motion by Yahweh, whose thoughts and modes of operation are entirely concealed from human observation. 
I'm going to say that again, whose thoughts and modes of operation are entirely concealed from human observation. We can't figure it out. God is contrasting his way and his words with our way and our words. He's reminding us that we are not God. Like we remembered on Ash Wednesday, we are dust. We are dust. And that his thoughts and ways are better than we can imagine. They are divine. We are limited. God is unlimited. We are sinful. God is divine. Heaven really is that much better than earth. I find that extremely comforting. The fact that we can't fully understand the power of salvation and God's ways in his divinity. It takes that control out of our hands. It takes the need to figure it all out away where all we have left is to come and trust. We enjoy the benefits of something so much greater and more powerful than we can imagine. So finally, in verses 10 and 11, God reminds us that his word is like the rain and snow that comes down and waters the earth, giving it life and growth. That God's word truly is the water that quenches and accomplishes the task that God has set out to give life to the thirsty, to bring growth and nourishment. God's divine will will be done. God's promises are true. And he is faithful to his promises. So as we wrap up today, as the band comes up here to sing our final song, I want to encourage everyone to listen to God's invitation. To hear God's voice calling for you. He calls you because he loves you. He has compassion on you, even in your worst sins even in your worst mistakes. God had a plan for your salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to pay because Jesus already paid. Jesus died on a cross, a death that you and I deserved. And now we get this gift freely because of Christ's resurrection and God's eternal plan for our lives. If you've already accepted this invitation, if you already are sitting pretty, drinking the water that flows from the Lord, then extend it to others. Show others the way. Point them to the party and have them come along with you. Encourage them as they encourage you and walk alongside each other. But if you have not accepted this invitation, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you've never heard of Jesus before and you're thirsty or you're broke or you're spending your money in all the wrong places, listen to the words of the Lord to come. God is saying, come. Come to these living waters. Come and eat what is good. Come and delight yourselves in the mercy of the Lord so that your soul may live. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your promise. We know that it is true and that you are faithful. God, we're thirsty and we keep trying to fill the emptiness and satisfy ourselves with the world, but God, you have a better plan, better water that satisfies us forever. Eternity
eternity with you. God, give us the confidence and the strength to point others towards this invitation, to show them your grace and your love. Thank you for showering your compassion and your grace on us and reminding us that we are yours. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And in this season of Lent, as we reflect on our humanity, help us to remember that you are God bigger and greater than anything we can imagine and that we can have our hope in you. God, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.